Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and I appreciate you being with me today. Uh, I've got an interesting guest with me today. Her name is Carmela Montenegro, and she has a track record of increasing Instagram profiles up to 75% year over year and getting up to 400 attendees to a first-time event with absolutely no budget. She is currently a freelance digital marketer, freelance digital marketer for Coda and Crush Marketing and has a lot of insight on marketing with a minimal budget. Now that I've gotten my tongue completely untied, Carmela, <laughs> welcome to the show. Yeah, happy to be here, Rob. Yeah, fantastic. So I was excited because so many times we talk about marketing and there's, there is a cost associated with it. And a lot of small businesses don't have much of a budget for that. Um, a lot of small businesses, you end up, you know, as a solopreneur where one person's doing everything and they would love to outsource. They would love to bring in someone else to do things, but they just don't have the money for it. And so I'm thinking, all right, if we're looking at how to do things on a shoestring budget, um, I am very happy to talk about that because I operate on a shoestring budget. <laughs> so, so let's get right into it. Uh, give me a little bit of background on you kind of, um, for those that you that don't know, we actually had started to record this conversation and had bandwidth issues. So we're starting all over again from the beginning. But give, give me a little bit of your backstory as to kind of how you came to get some of this experience and insight and expertise on marketing. Yeah. So Rob mentioned that I have a background in increasing Instagram traffic and getting attendees with zero dollars in budget. And... I, the reason I had to be able to be or to get somewhere in marketing is because um, I was forced to make some quotas on working in a nonprofit. So with the Instagram, I worked at my university. It was essentially a nonprofit and I worked and my internship was also at a nonprofit in Milwaukee and we didn't have much budget either. So I think a lot of what marketing should be is focusing on the essentials and focusing really on what the customer needs and wants. When I was getting into marketing, I was getting frustrated. You just have to remember marketing is to appeal to the customer, the client, whoever you call them, because without customers, you essentially don't have a business. If you read about what Quibi had, they had $7 billion in uh, seed and funding money, but they didn't do enough customer research. Wow. Yeah. All right. So you said you need to focus on the essentials. What would you define as the essentials? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think, again, the core focus would just be on the customer starting from there. Um, when I was gearing things up to work in university, I worked for the university recreation department I, I interviewed, I, I didn't exercise much. I was active, but I didn't exercise much to really know what the general demographic was. So sometimes I just approach students or patrons that were walking by and just ask them, Hey, can you give me a couple of minutes? Tell me what's on your Instagram feed right now. What kind of platforms are you active on? And really understanding people that I was surrounded by, but I didn't really understand so it gives you a lot of insight on 
um, what kind of content they're consuming first. And when I asked them to read some captions on their Instagram, it gave me an idea of what, what kind of copywriting I, and headlines I should have when I'm posting stuff on Facebook and Instagram. So do you have suggestions for folks, you know, running a small business, a lot of times, well, right now, you can't go out and, you know, meet with your clients and ask them to look at their Instagram feed. I, do you have some suggestions as to how folks can make those connections today if, you know, if we're not able to, to do that in-person, you know, in-person meeting? Yeah, so I'm currently working with a business coach and he asked me, how do people make the sale? What's the number one way to make the sale? And I spent a few minutes thinking like, trust, you have a good product, you have a good service, good customer, customer to mentor fit. And he said, you just ask. Okay. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I guess um, what I'm thinking about though, is as well, figuring out which platform you need to be on in order to, to make the right connection. Do you have suggestions as are there different platforms that appeal to either different age groups or to different, you know, types of clients or customers? What are your thoughts there? Yeah. So thinking, think a little bit about um, your customer demographic. For example, I, with my freelance work, I target um, small businesses, B2B customers. So my most active social media platforms would be on LinkedIn and on Facebook. I, so when I approach somebody who I think would be a potential fit for my services, I don't really try and sell them to begin with. I want to understand um, like what they're looking for when they're looking to expand their, uh, expand their customer base and increase their revenue. And then if the time comes to it, I don't, I'm a marketer. I don't really like to sell much, but sure. yeah, I try and understand what they're looking for um, when it comes to marketing. And if somehow, if I seem like a good fit, I'll go on from there. And same thing with Facebook. Um, usually I go into associated Facebook groups when I was working with an old friend where we were looking to start a start our sustainable trailer company we would go into Facebook groups that have like sustainable life, hashtag van life. Um, we looked up Facebook groups that fit relatively close to the demographic we're looking into. Okay. So what you're basically doing is looking at your target demographic and saying, where are they on social media? And once you find out where they are, that kind of dictates where you go and where you, you focus your efforts. Uh, I mean, oh, you're, yeah you're breaking it down into kind of simple steps. And to, it sounds to me like you're making marketing less, less complicated and less kind of like scary. You're, you're almost making marketing <laughs> simple. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Oh yeah. I, a lot of, some of my work is coming through like consulting in one-on-one -on -one, uh, strategy sessions with clients. Like, I know some founders, they can't afford me to um, do services. So I also offer like one-on-one -on -one hourly sessions per month. Um, and I think that's really important because once the founder knows marketing, it makes it a lot easier if they were to hire a full-time marketer and make their job a lot easier and go farther rather than having unrealistic expectations when they do or if hire their first person 
to do marketing for them. And also um, when I was in college, I wanted to be a music educator. So I have a little bit of ex expertise in um, education, trying to make things easier for people to understand. It just makes life a whole lot easier, just figuring out how to simplify everything and focusing really on the foundations. I, let me just see if I can summarize what I heard you say when you were talking to people and talking to potential clients. You basically were talking to them to find out, and this is going to be way simple, a way simplistic analogy, okay? And it is, what is your itch? And then once you find out what their itch is, you say, okay, this is how I scratch your itch. And then do you want me to do this for you? Does that, does that make sense at all? Yeah. So as someone who has allergies, I can definitely relate to this. It's like saying, I can help you scratch the itch, but I can also figure out where your allergies are so you can avoid yeah. peanuts okay. or something. I don't know. Right. I'm not a doctor. Sure. But, and I, I guess, you know, um, to use another another um, analogy, it's you know what is your pain point, and you know how do we how do we alleviate the pain? And there are two elements to alleviating the pain, and I think you hit both of them. The one is to address the symptoms. So you know if you're having if you're having pain, then you take something that you know a, you know like a pain medicine, or if you take a, a Tylenol or whatever it is to alleviate the pain. But then you also have to figure out what is causing the pain. Um, and you're, you're addressing both sides of it, both the, the current situation of I'm in pain, help me get out of pain. And the long-term situation is let's figure out what the problem is and, and solve it on a long-term basis. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I can, I can be the bandaid for all your marketing skills, but if you don't really know how to give me feedback and know how to uh, take the feedback that I give you on um, what I'm learning from your customers, Mm -hmm. you're those are really customers and clients that I don't really want to work with to be honest because if they're just asking me to put a band-aid on the solution like if they want me to scratch their itch but they're not trying to cut down on their peanut butter addiction when they're allergic to peanuts that's a whole I can't help you that far right okay it, it makes good sense um, you mentioned something a little bit earlier, you talked about the fact that you're a marketer, not a salesperson. And I, mm -hmm. I feel your pain with this. Okay. As a, I'm a speaker, I'm a writer, <laughs> I'm all of these things, but I, I'm not a, like sales isn't my thing. I didn't get, I didn't become a speaker because I wanted to go out and sell to potential customers. Like I, I want to be in front of the audience. I want to be sharing material. I, that's, that's who I am. And I, I just, I'm curious to hear more about your strategy that says, how can you, how can you take something that is not your primary skill set and yet is an essential part of your business and still be able to accomplish that? Okay. Okay. Let me think. Sales suck. I'm not going to lie about that. Right. Um, for marketing, what I really focus on is, creating value or what value I could bring instead of trying to sell them to pay like, Hey, this is $500 a month. You can say, I can help you. I can bring 400 attendees to your, to your audience. I can, I can reduce the bias in your training program okay. instead of talking about the price. So 
yeah, in some ways, um, this guy I listen to, his name's David Newman, and he talks about basically selling it, reverse engineering your sale, in which um, find out what is your pain point, what does it cost you, what is this particular thing costing you per month, if I can solve that, if I can bring you, if we can address this dollar amount in your budget, we can then here's what it costs to bring me in. And here's what, here's how my cost compares to the actual cost of what your issue is. And it really kind of, in some ways becomes a no brainer that, mm -hmm. um, if, if I can either generate X number of dollars or I can save you X number of dollars, then my fee makes a whole lot of sense. And I guess it really comes down to, you've got to know your customer. You've got to learn about your customer. You've got to find out what it is that they're, they're concerned with, what it is that they want. And that's what makes the difference at the end of the day, because it's got to be all about your customer. Am I right with that? Oh yeah. hundred percent about the customer and same thing about the pain point. You want to know where their pain point is. Cause when, in my opinion, if you start talking about price, it's more about you as the salesperson instead of focusing on the customer and filling in the gaps. Yeah. Um, and that's, we need to make money. We need to, we need to do, you know, <laughs> uh, something to put bread on the table. But at the end of the day, if you're, what you're saying is if you're working towards solving problems, then kind of the money side takes care of itself. And I want to hit on something else that you said. You talked about your background in is music education. Is that what you said? Uh, and how what you're doing is educating. And is that basically what the job of a marketer is, is to educate people? Or how do those two work together? Yeah, so... I feel getting, I feel that getting into marketing was a whole lot easier because when I was an educator, I was able to practice empathy. I was really able to um, understand people's needs and wants. I was also in college, I worked as an outdoor educator. So I would be in the middle of nowhere with students up to nine or 10 days at a time. So you have to really understand and empathize with, um, with your participants very intimately. It makes it a whole lot if you kind of do that same thing with marketing marketing is taking shift um toward education and delighting your customer uh, compared to just pushing sales down their throats if you've heard of um content marketing and inbound marketing it's more about providing you that way you can build yourself expert and build trust with your with your potential customers and when you when you distribute content that's high value and you you position yourself as an expert, lead quality gets higher. You don't have to spend as much more time on sales because if they really want you, they really want you. Got it. All right. So we kind of talked about what marketing is and can you then talk a little bit about how you're using this to build a business? Is it about building? I guess we talked about sales, all right? And in some ways, mm -hmm. marketing is about sales, but is it about more than sales? Like I'm thinking marketing about is more it, than sales. Is it about brand building? Is it about um, name recognition? Is it about 
customer relationships is um is it what is marketing essentially all about yeah that's a good question um so i was listening to a podcast by dave gerhart uh his podcast group is dgmg if anybody's curious he was talking about um how can you explain marketing and he says marketing is to make sales easier Okay. And everybody's interpretation of it is very different. What does that mean to you? Oh, gosh. Um, for me as a former educator, I... Hmm, as a former educator, I feel like my 2021 marketing plan is focused on um, positioning myself as an expert in content marketing. So uh, going to hire someone to work on blogs. So... Um, when people Google is how to do social media as a solopreneur, my blog is more likely to come up. Okay. They, they kind of get a little familiar with my company. And then if they see me on LinkedIn, they're more likely to reach out. So yeah, people are becoming more familiar. So it, it doesn't, it doesn't always directly lead to sales. In some ways it kind of can indirectly lead to sales and Ultimately, what that is, is it's making your sales easier because your customers know, at least recognize you, they know who you are, and they've got some respect for you as an expert because you're putting your name out there and your information out there. Is that, is that summarizing accurately what you're talking about? Yeah, I, it's getting pretty close to it. I think the other thing is to try and keep them in your wheelhouse. So what I do for that is email marketing. That way, if they're even curious about it, they still get value from my email marketing list. Every other week I share something that's happening in the marketing news and an actionable tip at the end of the email. Okay. That's another way to keep them in your funnel. Got it. All right. So you just brought up a couple different things and I'd love to get more information about what you're talking about. Okay. So yeah. we, you talked about earlier Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, and you just brought up the concept of email marketing and of funnels. What is email marketing and what are funnels? Yeah, I'll answer email marketing first. Email marketing is surprisingly one of the most wonderful things you need to have if you're a small business owner. The reason I say that is because if someone has even remote interest, it's easy to get their email and you can keep them, um, keep them in your back pocket because not everybody who approaches your company or your services is ready to buy. So with email marketing, you can keep reminding them, um, hey, I'm here. I'm here to provide value. I'm here to build trust with you. And then if like three, five, uh, three four, five years down the road, they figure that they need, they need a speaker because they're hosting a first-time event, they'll say, hey, I remember signing up for email three years ago. Let's schedule a time to talk. So it's an easy way to keep them in your funnel. All right. And, and so you just mentioned funnel again. So what is the, what is it? Yep. That concept. Yeah. So every, it's kind of interchangeable depending on what kind of marketer you talk to. But when I say funnel, um, other marketers use it as pipeline. So when you, find someone who's interested in your product, you have them at the top of this funnel or pipeline. And when they keep on 
being introduced to your services, your product, your values until they're ready to buy, they move farther down the funnel. Some other businesses use it as a pipeline, not to confuse it with like everybody else's marketing funnel. Sure. Okay. I mean, is it, in some ways I'm assuming that it's all kind of like spokes on a wheel in that they're all ways in which you're leading your customers towards a sale. Is that... I'm sorry. Yeah, I live in a so, world. I told you I live in a world of analogy. I can't. I can't tell anybody <laughs> what what something is. But boy, I can I can tell you what it's like. Totally relatable. When I was going through music lessons, everything was an analogy. Every other word, every other sentence was an analogy. So I can definitely relate to that. Sure. Um, so what you just described was flywheel. Um, is the flywheel concept, which is a new take on the marketing funnel slash pipeline. So if you move farther down the funnel. Imagine there's like holes at the at the side of it. So as you try to entice your reader, they go down the funnel, but some some will escape. So they'll poke through the holes that you have in the side of your funnel. Whereas when you were talking about um, the wheels and the spoke, that's that similarly relates to the flywheel marketing as introduced by HubSpot in like 2014, 2012, something like that. That it's attract, engage, and delight. So it's the new take of the marketing funnel. Here's where I'm providing value. You, you will something in my blog post showed up, attract, engage, and then you keep on entertaining them through like email marketing and they become like your customer somewhere in there and then delighting them is that is kind of the part where when you have them on as a client, they're really happy with your services that you, they kind of turn into referrals or they create a review or a testimonial that will go back up to the attract. So it's just a whole wheel. And it all basically, and interestingly enough that HubSpot's the one that came up with it because <laughs> it's all part of the wheel and it all leads you into the center, into that hub where um, they become your client and you've got a, a relationship with them. Um, we're, we're getting towards the end, but I, I've got a couple thoughts that I want to get from you because we talked about this the idea of doing this on a limited budget. So how much of this can be done for free? How much of this can be done with, you know, some basically on the cheap ideas? Yeah. So if I had $0 today and I were to start another freelance business for marketing, I don't know. A whole, if I were to start today, I would go to social media. It's free. Okay. I would establish myself as an expert. So start getting well-read on books, bot, podcasts, blogs, and just kind of sharing those along with my insights. And the hardest part is that you're going to eventually have to make a sale. What I've done with my first client is I've... I treated them like they were my baby. Like we talked every other week. I made sure that I was almost over communicating and I made sure that they were as happy as they can be. And if anybody looks for a referral, they would approach him for it. And he liked me enough that he put a review on my Google, my business page and my Facebook page. Okay. And if anybody is interested in that, they're likely to see that review. Sure. I. So, I mean, the three stages that you had talked about before were attract, engage, delight. 
And what you're trying to make sure is that your, your client, you know, this is your first, uh, even before they're your client, your first potential client, and you are trying to make sure that they are thrilled with you so that, um, you know, as they become your client now, they are sharing your information. They're sharing, um, you know, how amazing your work is with other people. And that's got to be something that's going to help you to engage with more clients and more customers. Oh yeah. Cool. So then if you're talking about starting with $0, if somebody has a little bit of money, let me just, I guess, what is kind of, what is the base amount that you would say that you would have to have before you can invest in, you know, kind of a social media manager or something like that. And, you know, is that something that can be done through Fiverr or is it something that it's going to take a little bit more than that? Or what's, what would you estimate on how do you maximize your budget? How do you make your dollars go further? How do you make your dollars go further? Okay. If I only had a hundred dollars, I would talk to people who are in my customer wheelhouse. Um, people, if I were targeting e-commerce companies that were selling nail polish or something, I would talk to as many of those, say, thank you for chatting with me. Here's a $5 gift card. Okay. And then probably the next thing I would do um, with the next 50 bucks is to work on a website. Got you it. want something, you want... Um, when people are interested in a product or looking for something to solve their problem, I want to say like 82% of the time, the first place they go to is Google. Okay. So establish yourself with a website. If you had more than three to $500, I would, I would consider marketing, um, figure out, but I wouldn't just figure out like, Hey, I need someone to fix my marketing. Think about where specifically your pain point is. Are you looking for um, something to consistently bring revenue? Are you looking to go long-term? Um, do you have a ton of people on your email list that are not buying from you? It depends on where your pain point is and consider hiring a marketer to really help you. Okay. So, and is when you say hire a marketer, are there, how can marketers be hired? Is it on retainer? Is it on a monthly basis? Is it on a, per, you know, I, I don't even know, is it, like, is it on a per project basis? How, how are marketers hired? And uh, what's the, you know, what's the kind of current market situation there? Yeah, so myself and some other um, marketers that I've connected with, we work on a monthly basis with a recommended minimum of like six months. We recommend six months. I recommend six months um, mainly because it takes a while for marketing to stick. And it also takes a while for your marketing to your marketer um, to really understand you, your customer and your goals. Um, most of the time when I bring on a client, they have an idea of their goals, but pinpointing where, their, where the real issues are just take like two, three months usually. And then really leaning into that happens after we figure out what's hap what specifically is happening there. Okay. So um, it would be generally be then on a, like a monthly retainer basis. And mm -hmm. your suggestion would be to at least 
start with a minimum of six months that allows you to establish the relationship and it kind mm-hmm. of get to know each other and figure out how to best how you as a marketer are going to be able to best represent your client in in the social media and online world. Is that, is that right? Oh yeah. To give you an analogy, it's like if you want me to fix your marketing, it's like working out seven days a week for a week and expecting results where you should be working out like three to four times a week for the next like six months. Okay. So yeah, I, I feel, I understand exactly what you're saying. It's, <laughs> you know, it's the old, like I didn't have fries with my lunch. So like, why didn't I lose weight today? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, understood completely. Listen, um, Carmela, you've, given us a lot of information, given us a lot to think about. If folks are looking to get in touch with you, where can they find you? You can find me at codaandcrushmarketing.com. Website's being rebuilt, so look be on the lookout for that. All right. The next, the next best place you could find me is on my LinkedIn account, um, linkedin.com slash IN slash Carmela dash Montenegro. Had to memorize that. Um, those are the two best places to reach out to me. Cool. And you have been very kind and uh, you have offered to do uh, or you've given a discount on a social media marketing audit. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So social media marketing audit, it's for people who want to do marketing themselves, but they're looking for or people who are doing marketing themselves, but they're not ready to take the leap to hire somebody to manage it full time. So a marketing audit is a way for you to figure out what's going well, how you can improve and take it to the next level. So what I would do, what I do with my social media audits for my clients is um, I would, I have a 22 question checklist that I would run through. And I would also record a video of me going through your social media and I would take notes of that and you would have that, um, have that copy. And then afterwards we would also have a strategy call to grow your bit or to grow your social media on your own terms. Okay. So it would be just kind of having a set of expert eyes go over what you're doing and give you some tips on um, what's going on right now and how to move forward and strengthen what you're doing it, which would be very valuable. That's cool. I will, I'll put a link to that. And I will also put a link because you've got a a biweekly email that comes out and folks can get on there and learn a little bit about digital marketing. You mentioned that earlier. So I'll, I'll put a link to that there as well. Carmela, thank you so much for coming on today. And I really appreciate that. Um, we have come to my favorite portion of the show, which is three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for these? Let's go. Let's go. All right. So question number one is what did you want to be when you grew up. So as a kid, what was your goal of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Oh gosh. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to see things that people didn't want to see. I wanted to do something different from what my friends were into. They wanted to be like doctors and nurses. I wanted to see stuff no one else has seen. That's That would be awesome. You had to just have the experience of <laughs> seeing what well, you want to talk about seeing things from a totally different perspective. Oh um, Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Um, did you have a pet when you were growing up? Mm-hmm. We growing up, my mom surprised me. She gave us like seven parakeets. 
um, got them from a relative and I do not remember the names, what I named all of them, but my favorite one was Dove because she was this white little parakeet and she like cut little things in my paper, but it was short lived. Um, They passed away in the cold, but you know, probably. (laughs) Yeah. What? Okay. And I just have to say that like having a parakeet named Dove would be a little bit ironic to me because you're naming one bird after another bird. It would be kind of like having a dog named cat or something. It just uh, seems to be slightly, slightly unusual. All right. Um, Last question for you. You are up in um, the greater Boston area, right? Mm -hmm. If I was to come up there and uh, what would be the restaurant of choice that you would say, this is um, where we've got to go to, to get a taste of the town. Who I to get a taste of the town, I would probably say if you want to do something touristy, I would say like the Omni Parker Hotel and get like the original Boston cream pie. Okay. As someone who lives there, though, what would you say is that is the place where the locals go that isn't the touristy place? Who a place where the locals go? It's kind of hard because I've only really lived here for a year. Okay. But a hidden gem I would say is the Lobster Stop in like Quincy slash Quincy slash Weymouth border, and they just have fresh lobster. Like they pick it up from the ocean, like right behind their backyard. Okay. And lobster rolls to die for. Excellent. Very cool. Well. When folks are heading up there, they now have two suggestions as to (laughs) where they can stop and uh, what they need to get. Carmela, thank you so much for being on. And um, to all my listeners, I appreciate you being with us today. I hope that you have uh, learned something from a very smart person. I would appreciate it if you would subscribe, give us some feedback, let us know what you're thinking, or just say hi. Stop by the website, use the Contact Us page. If you're wondering where you can listen to this besides our website, there's a subscribe button uh, and it'll show you everywhere that you can find this. Thanks again for being here. I will remind you as always that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody. 